Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route to the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. I had a guest lined up today. Uh, Nikki had a situation that developed early this morning and she cannot be with us. And quite frankly, there's just nothing that matters if we don't get the questions that are being posed in our nation answered at this point in time. It doesn't really matter what's going on in agriculture until we get all this lined out. And then we get back to the real core of liberty and freedom, and that is what farmers do. But I wanted to share this conversation. I'm going to tell you point blank. It took place this morning across the pond at 6.30 a.m. Central Time with Amanda Radke from South Dakota and my pontification partner, Andrew Henderson, in the U.K. Okay, I just can't wait to get to this day in history. Can we go there right away? We're here. First, I want to say happy uh, Feast of the Epiphany today. Notably, it is the day... We celebrate the three wise men showed up and were revealed that the baby Jesus in the manger. Notably, the epiphany means a sudden flash of understanding and insights. And I think that's what we're all looking for today (laughs) from Washington, D.C. So pray with me today because I want clarity of understanding. Well, Somehow, to, I don't think you to, you're going to get that, but yeah, there you just go. Follow the North Star, Amanda. It'll be there. I am certainly looking for that <laughs> today for answers. <laughs> you know, uh, this, this, I'm going to get um, religious. I'm not religious. I believe in God. I don't believe in religion. I believe that, that, that there is a, a maker up there. I believe he's, and there's good and evil, and I believe all that. But I can't believe that one religion's right and everybody else is wrong. That's my own personal views, okay? So I'm going to put that right out there. And that's why I have a little bit of a problem when I start to hear words like um, that match up America and and biblical. And while there's a lot of Christians all over the world, why can't their countries have the same connection between um um, Christianity, if you like, and 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 good and evil, and I have a little bit of an issue with you know people saying that. Um, Limwood, in particular, goes on about you know America, um, uh, God will look after America. Well, I think that's that's very selfish. That means that people who believe in Christianity in other countries don't have the same allegiance to God as Americans, and I'm not really comfortable with that. To be quite, I honest. don't agree with that at all. I think you okay. misconstrue it. Absolutely. I, I... I think the important thing to note is that the founding fathers who, uh, you know, made the foundation of this country were Bible reading men. And so the very uh, the fundamental core of America is based on biblical principles of morality. And now where we're seeing a problem in society is we've turned away from God. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking to big brother in our government to dictate morality as a country. But the, yeah. the Constitution was written by people who were Bible-reading men. Actually, Andrew, the Constitution just assures us of the rights that the Bible grants us. That God grants us. That God grants us through not the word of the, the, the written word. The right. government does not give us our God's exactly. freedoms. That's it. Thank you. See, I don't know how I got along so long, Andrew, without my interpreter. So it's really handy now. Actually, much clearer than you, I have to say. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so uh, 
but actually, I also, I... I also, before you go, I think, uh, um, uh, I, oh, Paul Phillips is straight on it as well. Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, Paul. Yeah, yeah. You know. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He went right there. Yeah. <laughs> On this day in history. Pictures of the Italian prime minister next to Prince Charles. I've seen them too, Paul. On anyway, this day in history, on. January 6th, 1925, the first fascist government was fully installed under Mussolini. Really? And Italy became a completely controlled country by a dictator. The reason that people were willing is what I think is most interesting on this day. And you notice I said Italy, ironically. Uh, <laughs> and the reason that people, the citizens of Italy, were willing to go along with this complete dictatorship is many Italians, especially among those in the middle class, welcomed his authority. They were tired of strikes and riots and responsive to and responsive to the flamboyant techniques of the medieval trappings of fascism and ready to submit to dictatorship provided that the national economy could be stabilized and restore dignity to their country. The coincidences are frightening, aren't they? they really oh are. my it's... goodness, that's from the headlines today. And how many people say, I just want to get this behind us. I don't care what happens, just move on. It, it's, oh, we, are re, we are reliving history, folks. But the, the the whole thing, you know, the, the the names that are being banded about at the moment, Leonardo. I mean, you couldn't. It is. It's a movie. This is a movie. This we're living through some some amazing movie. The 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 conspiracy theories. Are, it's making JFK look like Sesame Street, isn't it? It really is. All I know is whatever happens today and in the weeks to come, we'll be telling our kids about it. I will be telling my grandkids great grand well you guys sorry guys <laughs> we will be telling future generations about what happens in these moments we are living history right now as we speak and it's it's time to not just say it's time to move on it's time to say hey i'm a awake american that's seeing things play out before my eyes like shred like michael flynn tweeting a picture of shredded ballots from yesterday, like 5,000 votes being reported for Purdue yeah. being taken off the TV as we are watching the results coming in. Yeah. The Dominion machines breaking down three breaking of them down. in Republican based counties right in front of our eyes. And we're either going to say, well, that's how the cookie crumbles. Or we're going to say, hey, are we a banana republic now? Like, this is it. Like, we're just. <laughs> well, uh, I think we said that already. I, I, but it was know, confirmed. It's being yeah, confirmed, exactly. you know. And I, I have to admit, everything you're saying, I just don't know how. And the thing is, the 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 way that mainstream media just ignore all this. I know. Where's the evidence? There's no curiosity. <laughs> they by not reporting it is basically the same as reporting it wrong. It's you're just sweeping it under the rug and hoping time just erases any and all evidence. And that's the other thing. Congress today, most I mean, that's what we're all excited about and hyped about is today Congress meets to certify those electoral votes or not or object to them. Uh, Madison uh, Cawthorn, the youngest congressman elect, just tweeted it's go time. Um, and we're going to see if Congress has any interest in looking at this this evidence, because for the last 70 days, they haven't had a single investigation to even look at it. 
They haven't. Well, they haven't I, I, heard a, I heard a senator last night on Newsmax because once I woke up, I couldn't go to sleep. And uh, this was a senator that's actually one of the 12 or 11 that, honestly, she has no idea what's going on. I mean, she was giving this rhetoric, which was, well, it was just Andrew, incredible. I find that to be the common denominator. Most people have completely tuned out to what's really going on. I think it's because of what I just read about what led to dictatorship in Italy. They just want to ignore it and, and get back to what they think to be a normal life. They don't well, truly like- understand the sweat, the tears, the blood, what it took to create the representative republic and maintain it for 237 years that we have. I mean, I don't been- we all want to get back to our normal. normal lives and not be like stop sleeping and wait for the news to happen at 3 a.m. because that's when the shady stuff comes out. And, mm. and I mean, don't we all just want to get back to our jobs and our families and our just the things that we do that bring us joy. And yet here we are in limbo watching as our government and the media and just play these tricks. And, and it's like, we're all just, yeah, you're either ignoring it, putting your head in the sand because you just willfully want it to go away or you're kind of trapped in this madness wondering what kind of ride am I on? Because this is, this is wild. But this was, this was a, um, a, a U.S. senator that was explaining how many uh, I, I, we can go through this because it's going to happen today. She was explaining how many objections had actually been made. And it did come out through her. I got this bit from her that there is actually three objections to three states. There's not going to be initially there's not going to be seven states here that a question. There's going to be three. Ted, Ted Cruz himself, to be fair, I was questioning him yesterday he is going to object about Pennsylvania. But I think he's rode in because um, the other thing that came out last night is the legislature have now, want, have now said they want the results de-class, uh, decertified. So he's rowing in behind the legislators yeah. in yeah. Pennsylvania. I, I'm going to be redundant once again today because you have to repeat yourself. It, the answer, the solution resides within the states, not in Washington, D.C., yeah. So, uh, so what? So I'm right saying that the legislator have trumped that. Is that right? Is yeah, that what you're saying? Pennsylvania said requests from legislators for independent investigations have been ignored by the administration due to these inconsistent and questionable activities. We believe that the Pennsylvania election results should not have been certified by our, by our Secretary of State. All right, we'll pick it up there when we come back with the second leg of the journey on Roll Route. Trent Luce, Amanda Radke, Andrew Henderson after this. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Trent Luce, Rural Route, the program. Amanda Radke from South Dakota, Andrew Henderson from the United Kingdom. Amanda, back to you. Here's what I'm paying attention to. We know that there's plenty of folks that are going to vote to certify and get back to normal. Mm-hmm. We've got a handful of uh, on the Senate and, and over 100 in Congress that are saying they're going to object. It's going to start right out of the gate with Tuberville objecting to Arizona. So that's two hours of debate. But what I'm really paying attention to is the guys that are riding the fence that are waiting for which way the political winds blow, including in South Dakota. Uh, Senator Mike Rounds made a statement last night, said, if you've noticed, I have not joined the chorus of those for or against an objection Uh, And he later says, the bottom line is I'm keeping an open mind and I look forward to seeing the evidence to support the objections that are being proposed. 
Um, and he's, he closes with, unless we get to the bottom of these allegations, I fear Americans' faith in our electoral process is in great jeopardy. Uh, the comments below that statement were angry Americans on both sides of the aisle. So I'm not sure what it accomplished yeah. well, because you've got to take a stand one way or another. And he's had plenty, all these senators and congressmen have had plenty of time to look at some of this evidence. So ultimately, sorry, Trent, I'll let you talk. Ultimately, I think today is the day we get to hear the evidence in the public square truly for the first time. And I think it's going to be so undeniable that people are going to have to take action one way or another. So we will see. See, I 100% agree with what Senator Brown said. And I mean, that's been my whole mantra in 20 years. And Amanda, you do the same thing is that we want people to make purchase decisions about food based upon facts, Mm -hmm. not what they heard or rhetoric. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the same exact thing. It is worse to make a decision based upon misinformation. So given the time and waiting for it to actually come through and be presented in a way that you can go back to everybody, your elected, your uh, your constituents and the people that you're, you're responsible to, to go back to them and say, okay, I had the evidence. But there's so much information out there, you and I know, that you could just go completely bananas looking at the available information and sorting it all out. What's rhetoric? What's not? What's made up? What's conspiracy? At some point, you have to decide, okay, this is credible information. We need to go forward. And that's where uh, chaos has been kind of the theme of 2020 and now 2021. And people take advantage of that chaos because when there's so much coming out, you can't Mm-hmm. ultimately determine what is fact or fiction. And, and that's what spoke to me so loud about that Mussolini statement and the people in Italy in 1925 saying, just get rid of the chaos. We want things to go back to normal. Well, no. You know, I have one objective in all of this, and you touched on it. My only objective is to make sure that our kids have the same opportunity of life, liberty, and freedom that I had. Yeah. Yeah, I think we shouldn't be lulled to sleep by the promise of normal and calm. Exactly. And we we got to get to the bottom of it and to the truth. So I think maybe it'd be good to talk about what's coming out of Donald Trump's mouth. Um, uh, well, wait a minute, Andrew. Well, I don't know what you got going on, but you're just not yourself today. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's... So must go on, man. Bye, Andrew. <laughs> I'm Andrew now. Yeah, no, you're not Andrew. <laughs> What's Donald Trump saying today? Well, so he's he's made several statements about if Pence has the power to do what we're all looking at, what Pence might do today, um, which is certify or object to those electoral votes. Um, and in a statement he said yesterday, the New York Times report, which I haven't seen, regarding comments uh, Vice President Pence supposedly made to me today is fake news. He never said that. The VP and I are in total agreement that the vice president has the power to act. The November 3rd election was corrupt in contested states, and in particular, it was not in accordance with the Constitution in that they made large-scale changes to election rules and regulations as dictated by local judges and politicians, and this is the key here, not by state legislators. This means that it was illegal. Our vice president has several options under the U.S. Constitution. He can decertify the results or send them back to the states for change and certification. He can also decertify the illegal and corrupt results 
and send them to the House of Representatives for the one vote for one state tabulation. And Trump actually talked about all of this in a speech in September. So I think he's been well aware of this coup Mm -hmm. and this uh, illegal activity that was going to take place on November 3rd. I know that I've been in and out, but I have actually heard virtually everything you've said. It's weird. I I threw you under the bus. (laughs) Uh, he, actually, he thinks he's being censored my, for the first time ever i actually watched my face disappear and i could carry on watching you and i've never had that happen before and i'm thinking uh, is mi6 in my room or yeah what's no they don't on? have to be in your room they're in your head they're in your computer and, and i'm and, looking at paul phillips here and he's saying have i seen the video of the mi6 guys in the airport in italy getting out of dodge now the thing is paul <laughs> you don't mind me saying but you know, just seeing a video of a couple of blokes doesn't tell you that they yeah. that they are who they say they are. Be careful, Paul. Yeah, uh, uh, I just I just want to weigh in, Andrew, and then you, with what Amanda just said. I clearly support Vice President Pence sending it back to the states and saying, "Make sure you have your act together before we go forward." Well, I hope that you're right, and that's what Mr. Pence does. And Mm -hmm. I've listened to what Amanda says and I heard what she said about how the president has very eloquently uh, put his view on what Mike Pence can and can't do. Let's hope that tomorrow we shall be discussing how he did it. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, there's the thing. Here we are the day ahead of what's happening, saying what might happen. Yeah, let's just wait and see what does happen. I want to prepare people. I think people are banking on everyone's just like Amy Coney Barrett. Everyone kept saying we have we have the Supreme Court card. Now everyone's saying we have the Pence card. Um, I want people to manage their expectations. (laughs) (laughs) I am. Uh, We we all we want is the truth card. Yes, we do. That's That's all we want. It's again, as I've said all week, it's not about Donald Trump. It's about ensuring that we have free and fair elections now and in the future. We shouldn't be joking that the United States of America is Venezuela or a banana republic and we have no voice. I don't want my voice to be disenfranchised because I see illegal ballots being counted eight or nine times somewhere else. That's and, the- and last night Thank that you. happened again, didn't it? There's actually a video evidence in Fulton County last night of people counting ballots with nobody there. Again, yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, you're right. It's it's a very, I'm it's more of a nervous laugh I've got at the moment. I'm just looking at this and going, I'm 56 years of age. I have never in my life experienced something more important. I mean, my family aren't even aware of it virtually because right. our media don't even tell them about it. And yeah. I think, I think carry it's on a in a bubble. testament to the fact that you care and you are not an American citizen because the whole world is watching. If we fail, it impacts the entire that, world. It just a, really Warren, true when Warren Tongate says a very good point, this is proving, uh, Warren, and if you go onto social media, there is so much information out there. But the U.S. most definitely is not the only country that mm-hmm. has corrupt bureaucrats. Corrupt bureaucrats anywhere where there's money and power that's where you find corruption all over the world we've all we've known that for a long time the concerning thing about this is that um these people can connect together and become very very powerful that's the concerning thing about this that um you know i've said to people the one thing i'm prepared to say is i know i put my life on the line here not my family's life but certainly my own life i know that you have had huge fraud 
in your election. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I know that the statistics don't add up. And what I see in the video clips and the affidavits of people, and from the minute the elections closed, well, they didn't close, that's the point, on the 3rd of November to today, all I've seen is more and more and more evidence. Now, some of that evidence in court would be thrown out. I know that and you know that. But there's so much of it that we know that somewhere along the line, there's been a huge conspiracy here to defraud the American people of, a, of, of, of an election. And, and maybe that's why it's the perfect crime, because it was it was, uh, you know, many, many small cuts all across the country and in key places in, you know, battleground states. But it was a Sharpie pen used here and, uh, you know, oh, a ballot got missing here or, oh, we're sending out mail in ballots like they're Kohl's coupons, one for everybody, 10 for everybody. It's like. you, Yeah. And the players probably didn't know what they were doing. That's the really clever thing about it. All right. We will find out. I started with a Mussolini situation. I'm going to close with a Hitler quote that I think most people have heard of, but I'm just going to remind you. If you tell a big enough lie and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. Oh, we can't close on that. We got to close. I don't believe it. God wins and America will Truth and justice for America. That's will why we do it every day. I, I, Regaining I control for the farmers. You okay. Devin Nunes. We are fired up today, Trent. <laughs> yeah. Positive. Devin Nunes. You interviewed De- Devin Nunes on the 24th of November. I- I'm seeing a lot more information about this guy. And there's a reason why he got that amazing accolade a day ago. Because he, I believe he is going to come to the forefront here. And you know what, Andrew? I'm going to play that conversation with Devin Nunes next. We'll be back with the second half of Roll Route right after this. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Continuing this conversation here today, as Andrew mentioned before we went to the break, Congressman Devin Nunes from California did join me on a special report in November, November the 24th. This week, he has been awarded by the President of the United States the Congressional Medal, uh, the excuse me, the the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Here's why. Uh, you're an old friend, so I'm glad to be yeah. on your show again. This is why uh, you and, are uh, continually elected in the 22nd District of California. You know how to suck up to the host. Well, well, I started <laughs> out, you know. And I'm trying to get on parlor, but you're taking all the bandwidth. I can't get a word in edgewise. It's all Congressman Nunes says this. Congressman Nunes says that. Well, you know what? I just have to I have to figure out where you're at. And then once you if you get this up on Rumble, this video, I promise you, I will send it out far and wide. Have you had trouble finding anything to work on lately? No, there's been there's been no shortage. And uh, obviously, it's very frustrating because. Um, everything I'm dealing with, whether it's the Russia hoax to the Ukraine hoax, uh, to all the problems that, that with the dirty cops at DOJ and FBI, uh, now the issues with this presidential campaign, uh, with, you know, trying to figure out, uh, if indeed every legal vote was, was counted, uh, there's no shortage of work. And that also, uh, means going back into a new Congress, uh, where we actually picked up seats. And so, you know, we're just on, uh, the edge of taking back the majority uh, from Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, uh, you know, which is the irony in this last election is, is the the Democrats were destroyed 
uh, at the local level, the state level, uh, in Congress and Senate. Uh, we far outpaced any of the so-called uh, fact check geniuses that supposedly monitor all the polls. Uh, the only thing that's really abnormal is why Donald Trump uh, lost narrowly in the six or seven states. Uh, it's very, very odd, very unusual. Uh, and, you know, we're trying to get to the bottom of that as quickly as possible. And it's very tough when you uh, and I think people are looking back on what's happened and transpired over the last five years where you had the Clinton campaign teaming up with dirty cops at the FBI and DOJ, opening up investigations that Obama and Biden clearly knew about. Uh, it's going to make it very, very hard to to govern. It makes it very hard to take uh, the Democrats seriously other than anything uh, other than being part of a Politburo, some type of uh, you know apparatus using Pravda and then the tech oligarchs to get their get their message out. Uh, I think we're in a uh, Joe Biden said uh, we're going to go into a dark winter. Uh, we are in a very dark winter. He he is right, but it's a dark winter that him uh, mm-hmm. and his party and Obama all created uh, this mess. You know from dirtying up uh, uh, the Republicans and the Trump campaign five years ago uh, to mailing absentee ballots to every everywhere across the country. Now everybody in the United States knows what we've been dealing with here in California uh, with the total degradation uh, of our voting system. Um, we have ballot harvesting. We do everything here in California that only third world countries would do, which is why we have one party control here. We're controlled by a Politburo. We have Gavin Newsom, who can go to the most expensive restaurant uh, in California, in Napa Valley. Uh, he can lie about it. He can basically say that he was outside when everybody knows that, that he wasn't. Uh, no social distancing, no wearing masks. Same just you know, about 100 miles south in San Francisco, Pelosi with her ice cream uh, in her refrigerators. Uh, all of this would be detrimental to a Republican or a conservative in the United States of America, because if our own party didn't destroy us, right? You know, for example, right. if I had done this in my house, now I don't have $35,000 freezers uh, and I don't eat, you know, $20 ice cream cones like Nancy Pelosi does. But mm-hmm. if I did, and if I had done that during the pandemic, I guarantee you, I would have been ridiculed. Not by, I'm not even worried about the fake news media right. and the Pravda media and the, and the tech companies. I'd be ridiculed by my own fellow congressman, I think so much so Then, if I would have been sneaking around, if I would have been telling everybody to wear a mask, sneaking around, don't go get a haircut. And if I would have been going to get my, you know, my haircut uh, done and sneaking around while I was, wasn't doing that, I think both of those would have been fatal for me just as a rank and file congressman, right? Just as the leader of the House Intelligence Committee for the Republican Party, I would have been ostracized and kicked out of office. Uh, but here you have the leader of the Democratic Party, the Speaker of the House, uh, who this is not even covered. It's it's like it doesn't even exist. Go try to find it anywhere uh, on Facebook that you're on or YouTube. It's going to be very mm-hmm. difficult to find. Uh, and so the same thing is true with Gavin Newsom. So bringing us back to where we're at with the voting here, uh, we have one party, one control, uh, you know, for things that if this happened anywhere in the Midwest by a Republican, uh, they'd be driven from office. It's a uh, quite a travesty. So there's plenty of work. There's lots of work to do. Uh, I want to go back to the bigger picture and then I want to get in a final few minutes, get to where we're at today. The last time you and I had a fireside chat, we were in Modesto. 
Um, and you were talking about discovery as the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. And at that time, it was information presented about Michael Flynn, Russian um, interference, Russian in, uh, infrastructure coming into the U.S. And it wasn't what you said, Representative Nunes, as much as what I could read your body language saying you had a real level of concern about there was a control beyond we the people and we needed to figure out how to get a handle on that. Was that just me putting too much into it or is there something to that? Well, probably what you were seeing at that time is I knew so much that was still classified. Now, most of that has been declassified now, mm -hmm. right? For example, that they had used the dirty dossier in the uh, the Clinton paid for dirt uh, in the in the application to spy on the Trump campaign. Uh, secondly, I think you may have known it th that I think had already been out. But what you didn't know is that they were also running spies paid for by the U.S. government into the Trump campaign. And that should send shivers up the spine of every American. But it doesn't because it's being covered up by the tech oligarchs and by the Pravda media in this country. Uh, you should never have spies paid for by the government running into your campaign. You should never have FISA applications where they can actually tap into your emails and your phone calls. This is stuff that third world countries do. And I don't say that lightly. So I think at that time, that information wasn't out. And that's what mm -hmm. I really was keen on making sure everybody understood because it was bad enough that you had dirty cops at the FBI that were teaming up with the Clinton campaign. That's horrible. Should never happen. It's third world country stuff. But what I said at the time is that's only half of it. And the other half was that they were actually running paid for spies uh, into the campaign. Now, we're waiting on Durham, this U.S. attorney out of Connecticut. Uh, he's running out of time here. If he doesn't get something done quickly with a report uh, and then a special counsel that needs to be put in put in place, because there's no way we can trust the Democrats and Biden, who, by the way, is actually involved in this. He was at the origins of this. He was speaking of General Flynn. He's the one that actually brought up using the, the Logan Act. And remember, the Logan Act is this old law that says you can't go do what uh, you can't go and talk to other foreigners um, uh, outside of the country. This was passed in like 1799, never been used. Uh, and in fact, the Democrats have been doing it on a regular basis. And in fact, now are bragging about it, that they're out talking to people for the very thing that General Flynn was doing as national uh, security advisor coming in. It's the job of an incoming national security advisor to reach out to uh, foreigners to their embassies, because uh, that's, you know, that's why foreign countries, 200 of them roughly, have embassies here in the United States of America. It's so that they can interact with our government. And so the hypocrisy here uh, is is enormous. Uh, what's happened here is wrong. Uh, and unfortunately, we're in a position now, there's very few people uh, who will go out there and speak the truth. Uh, and so I'm just unfortunately put into this uh, position that we have to, uh, I'm, you know, one of the last men standing that actually kind of knows what transpired here. And we're trying to get to the truth and trying to make sure the American people can find out about it, which is why I'm coming on your show, other than the fact that you're on Facebook, which is very right. disappointing. Yeah, I know, but we need to educate everybody. Uh, Andrew Henderson is a friend of mine from the UK who is on top of this because he believes what happens in the US election represents the bigger picture of democracy around the world. He has a question right. that I think is very relevant. At that time, Sidney Powell was right about Russian collusion being a myth. Is she right now? Uh, look, we don't, we don't have the answer to that question. Um, 
but that's what we need to get to the, we need, we do need to get those answers. Uh, and so I think everyone wants to know, we want to have a, a real legitimate description of why these computer systems were all shut down in the middle of the night. And then we wake up a few hours later and then all these votes are transferred over. Maybe there's a legitimate reason that that happened. Uh, I want to know why so many precincts in Wayne County don't, don't add up. These are all things that everyone should want to know. You have somebody in the United Kingdom that wants to know about it. Mm-hmm. But I would also say Joe Biden should want this, right? right. I mean, he's uh, assuming we're going to win the two seats in, in the Georgia Senate runoff. Uh, they're on the verge of losing the House. This guy is almost incoherent, never ran a campaign. He ran it from his basement. And he ought to be the one, Joe Biden, that gets to the bottom of this quickly because look, he could he could basically if if all this was was looked at and all of it was authenticated that no dead people voted, there were no problems with the Dominion computer systems. Joe Biden would be the one who would get the biggest victory out of this. Absolutely. We the people in our closing, isn't that what it's about? We need to make sure that the end result is what we the people voted for. Well, look, and, and I would say this, too. Uh, I spent a lot of my career uh, on the Intelligence Committee going overseas, meeting with uh, uh, our equivalent. So, like, I would meet with, for example, like their FBI, the, the foreign nation, their FBI director equivalent or their CIA director equivalent uh, or their House of Represent- Representatives equivalent to the House Intelligence Committee. And through all that time, we we would never advocate for you know, spying on political opponents, right? I mean, right. this is what we go over there and talk about. So the irony of me doing this for 10 years, um, you know, the whole country, the whole United States, this is embarrassing that this happened to our FBI. Uh, it's embarrassing uh, that, you know, that we were running spies into campaigns. Um, it's it's wrong. It's embarrassing. Um, it's a stain on America. And look, and now these people are back in charge. Nobody's been punished and they're back in charge. Um, and, you know, look, as, the, as I've made 14 criminal referrals uh, and so far, you know, only one person's been indicted. That's, you know, it's totally and completely unacceptable. And I refuse to to accept that outcome. And I'm quite confident that you're going to hear the name Congressman Devin Nunes frequently in the next couple of days, next couple of years, actually. Fortunately, we have somebody with a backbone willing to stand up and share the hard truth. Hey, Lone Creek Cattle Company providing you the opportunities of cattlemen to tap into a value-added market. Get more details about how you can enroll and be a part of the certified Piedmontese system. Marlon Will tells me, new year, new deal. Minimum of $200 premium over the feeder calf price. And it's significant because heifers and steers same price lone creek cattleco.com for more information about certified piedmontese last segment of rural route after this welcome back everyone i'm trent loose we are now into the final segment of a very historic day and not to not, rural route's not historic but the day will live in infamy and uh, as well the next 10 i believe we're going to close up today with uh, something that almost seems to be different than what we were talking about, and yet, and when we come back, I'm going to try to tie it together. Greg Ibaugh, he's from Nebraska, but he's been the undersecretary in the, in the Trump administration, Undersecretary Sonny Perdue, and there is a comment period that you need to engage in. It's about getting active. That's the theme of the day, getting active. With Greg Ibaugh joining us 
from Washington, D.C. He's a Nebraskan. Don't let anybody hide that fact. But he's been in Washington, D.C. under the Trump administration, under Secretary of Markets and Regulatory and in charge of APHIS. Greg, how have you been? You go to D.C. and I don't even hear from you anymore. Yeah, I, they keep me really busy there. And we've uh, been busy. And our latest announcement that we're really proud of is this proposed framework to move animal biotechnology regulation from FDA to USDA for use in food animals. I I suppose it's worth the time just to back up and give a a little bit of a synopsis on what this is, because people hear the term biotechnology, they get a little wonky eyed and then you put animal biotechnology in there. What exactly are we talking about, Greg? Well, I think many people have heard about the developments that science and researchers have had to take the horns off of dairy cows. Mm -hmm. That's a gene edit that's doing that uh, to develop PERS resistance in pigs. And so a lot of these technologies that are trying to be developed and hope to be commercialized actually uh, decrease uh, disease in animals, uh, help farmers respond to consumers' demands for less use of antibiotics. And in the case of dehorning, it removes a stressful uh, period in the animal's life if we can remove them genetically instead of mechanically. And any time that we can go in and and, uh, and make a genetic snip, so to speak, and improve the efficiency, possibly improve the disease resistance, as you mentioned, that has not just a farmer implication, that's beneficial to the consumer. Yeah, and I think that's important that we uh, talk about both because, you know, when we developed the first uh, products in plant biotechnology, we talked about a lot about farmer benefits mm-hmm. and forgot to talk about the consumer benefits. And this definitely has consumer benefits, helps us meet consumer expectations as farmers every day. It, this is a big deal. In the fact that, as you stated, moving this regulatory side from FDA to USDA, uh, why hasn't that already happened? Uh, you know, this is uh, 30 years ago. There was an agreement reached in the coordinated framework that divided out how the federal government was going to regulate biotechnology. USDA got plants, and we know the history of that, all the advances we've been able to review and approve at USDA and APHIS to move the plant biotechnology along. Unfortunately, FDA has to regulate uh, animal biotechnology developments under their drug authority. And we know these aren't drugs, and we also know the long process it takes to get a drug approved. And so the proposal that we uh, have out there is that USDA would regulate these changes that aren't for biomedical or pharmaceutical purposes, because we know animals are being developed to have some benefits for human medicine. But if they're just in food animals uh, on the production side, uh, these would be regulated under our Animal Health Authority with oversight from FSIS for food safety attributes as well. And one reason we're talking about that this week is that we now have a comment period open. This is not a done deal. This is a proposal. And Greg, you know as well as I do that uh, our community is pretty good about sitting around the the co-op or the sale barn talking about what should or shouldn't be done. You can do that, but you also need to engage in the official comment portion of what is happening right now. How and why is that important? Well, that's important because... Since this is happening at the end of the Trump administration, 
the next administration will look at the comments that are being made to weigh whether or not the recommendation and the framework that we're proposing is really something that farmers and ranchers want, that the industry wants, that developers and researchers want, and that consumers can support. So we need to have uh, the voices of the academic community that believes this is the right move, farmers and ranchers and their organizations that believe this is the right move to speak up to make sure that the Biden administration understands uh, their position and hopefully will agree with uh, the recommendations in the framework and move forward with a proposed rule. So I'll make it easy for my listeners and people. I'll, I'll post that place where you can go make comments on the rule. Uh, Greg, you did just say something that we adamantly disagree on, but I'm smart enough not to put you in the crosshairs on this is the end of the Trump administration. You have more work to do. You need to be there another four years. I'm just saying. Well, you know, the uh, it's, it's a confusing time for somebody in, in government like me. You know, we're proceeding with having a normal transition, but also we know that uh, there are challenges going on and, you know, I would love to be there for a little bit longer and spend more time to uh, listening to farmers and ranchers and trying to uh, make some changes that they have been asking for. In the bigger picture, can you kind of give us, uh, I know, and I, I get the opportunity to talk to Sonny Purdue from time to time, have not for a while, but still I have a sense. And at one point in time, his folks sent me a list of regulatory reforms that USDA usually go unnoticed but have true implication for farmers and ranchers and all of the food system um, to make them easier to comply, to not reduce uh, the uh, element of risk at all. But can you put it in a nutshell, the effectiveness well, of the Trump administration and the, and the regulatory burden? Well, you know, what I uh, draw on is my experience as being a director of agriculture for 12 years in Nebraska prior to going to USDA. And I know that there's been a concerted effort to take on uh, state departments of agriculture, uh, farm industry groups and associations as partners and really listen to them and respond to what they're asking for. And that's resulted in changes in policies and procedures, changes in regulations that all make take uh, different steps and hurdles out of the process and also respect science respect uh, uh, consumers and their expectations as we move forward as well. I think what you just said is huge right there. It's the approach of the federal government asking the states to be partners instead of saying, here's what you're going to do. Because you and I both know everything starts at the grassroots level. Even the Constitution guarantees that grassroots and the county is the most powerful entity. We need to be partners and be better listeners all up and down the chain. And and that's probably the most refreshing thing that we've experienced. Yeah, I remember some of the first times I just would pick up the phone because I had a lot of people's numbers in my phone from being in the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. And I called people or an association CEO and say, hi, this is Greg Ibai. I just wanted to ask you a few questions about something I'm working on. And they're like, uh, uh, the undersecretary doesn't call us directly. Usually you go through somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Iva bringing to light the opportunity that we have as food producers to get engaged in the process. We have a comment period in front of us. Uh, what's the simplest way to find that Greg? 
uh, you're going to put a link out there that will take you to the federal register where you can make the comments uh, to be able to uh, state uh, your opinion. There's several blogs out there. Allison Van Eneman has put up a very wonderful blog that includes some uh, scientific data and and her thoughts on it that uh, could help somebody if they were wanting to, uh, you know, uh, get a little bit more informed prior to making uh, their comments. And I know that the pork producers and uh, various cattlemen's groups are very supportive of this as well. And so I'm sure that their website will be able to provide some arguments uh, as well that would be useful as you uh, would formulate your comments for the Federal Register. Thank you, Greg. And I have had some conversations with other folks not on air that are friends of mine in, in the USDA, and they'd say it's been a three-and-a-half-year battle in the Trump administration to convince the folks at the FDA that this is an animal issue, it's not a food issue, that we should be able to make these changes. And so it's hard to believe that in a friendly administration to reduce regulation, we still have this mountain to climb. Which brings me to my final thought and proposed question of the day. This is a project simply to move it. For CRISPR technology has been out there and available for how long? And simply wanting to move the regulatory arm from FDA to USDA takes three and a half years. How long did it take to develop the COVID-19 vaccine? You know, we have people that are resisting this technology, CRISPR technology, gene editing, and yet we have millions, millions of people around the world who have already taken a vaccine for COVID-19 that was comprised of taking RNA, genetic material, from the virus, putting in a vaccine, putting it in a vial, and putting it in your body. And we have people lining up. Now, I'm not saying everybody's doing it, but we have people lining up to get a vaccine that did not go through the normal research and development channels. It utilizes the same type of technology that we're talking about here that people have been afraid of for how long? It's all driven by fear and the media giving information that they want you to believe. I, and my only message in all of this, stop thinking like everybody else wants you to think. Use your own noggin and question things. And use reality and common sense as we continue to go forward. I understand a very different approach here today on Roll Route. I mostly appreciate and understand that you continue to stick with us and uh, acquire information and not tell you how to think. You're coming along on this ride, you're going to have to think for yourself. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. For Andrew Henderson, Amanda Radke, Congressman Devin Nunes, and Greg Ibaugh. I'm Trent Luce, reminding you that all roads do lead to a roll For quite some time now, I've been sharing with you the advantages of looking at the genomics of these cattle, these animals. But take it from somebody who's been using Neogen and the Igenity test for more than 10 years. You really start to reap the rewards of evaluating the genomics. Mike Healy, Warland, Wyoming. There's a good payback. I changed Igenity's formulation on how it emphasized stability so that it emphasized marbling. And we've been able to, to raise our marbling percentage for, we started out, we were around a 77, 78% choice to now this, this last group we finished, last year's 2019 steer calves, finished at 92% wow. marbling, where uh, we had 11% prime, 
premium choice had 53%. So we had 64% of the calves recognizing a, a, a pretty substantial premium. Full details about your future premiums at neogen.com, shining a light on your genetic future.